0: Every Bible's turned to Proverbs chapter 31, Proverbs 31 verses 10 through 31 is a picture of a mother, a wife, who lives in such a way that she gives extravagantly. And as we look at Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, we're going to look at specific principles that apply to us and how we are to give and really, what stands at the root of giving. Now, as you look at Proverbs 31, uh, if you have attended any memorial services for uh, ladies, um, uh, this is a passage that is familiar. This is one that has been read. I've been asked to read this at, at many, many, many funerals for ladies, never for a man. <laughs> You'll catch up with that. Um, but one of the things, as you read this, these verses, uh, just listening and evaluating this woman, it's kind of daunting, uh, not only for ladies, but for all of us. Uh, so much so that my wife uh, told me in uh, no uncertain terms that uh, when she dies, I am not to read Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. Uh, and, and, and maybe you feel that way too. You, you read these verses, you go, oh my goodness, that's so not me. Well, can I just give you a little bit of a snapshot of, of what this verse is, is really hitting on? It's not talking about some ideal uh, that, that we are to achieve, but it's really talking about someone whose heart is continually being shaped by God in such a way that they begin to exhibit these characteristics and these qualities. It's it's really a personification of, of what it means to be a follower of Christ in very practical terms. As we read these verses, we need to understand that this is the picture of what God does in our lives and what He is doing in our lives once He's gotten hold of our heart. See, the key for us is to understand that the ingredient that may be missing in our life is not more money in the bank account, but rather it's a heart that's being shaped by God. If you remember last week, if you remember last week, that was, a, that was funny. We had, a, we had a bell ring and then had a baby cry. That was, that was good. I, I couldn't have planned it any better than that. Uh, that was great. Uh, usually I can ignore those things, but that was too good to walk past. That was, that was good. Um, if you remember last week, we talked about how giving is not dependent upon the size of your bank account, but rather it's dependent upon the shape of your heart. And it is the shape of your heart that determines your giving. As we've gathered here today, uh, many of us who are here, perhaps even most of us, we are having our hearts shaped by God. And that began when we saw our need for God, our separation from God, when we yielded our lives to Jesus Christ and He got hold of our heart. You remember that journey for yourself. If indeed you've had that journey, uh, you were living your life, but, but there was something inert in your spirit. There was something um, dysfunctional in your soul. There was something starving uh, in, inside of you, and, and, and you began to realize that, that there was something uh, that was missing in your life. And as God took you on this journey, opening your eyes moment by moment, you began to see that that your heart was halved by sin. That literally you were um, you you had a beating heart, but it was really a dead heart. You began to see how that sin had separated you from God, and without that friendship with God, you were lost and you were hopeless. Do you remember that journey? And in the midst of that that journey, you you long to to have a whole heart rather than a half heart. And so you tried to get better at being better and you tried to do more better things. and, And as much as you tried to get better at being better and doing more better things, you still found that emptiness inside unbearable. And no amount of church-going or church-doing or uh, moral, uh, follow, morality-following kind of stuff ever filled that, 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 that starvation in your soul. You longed for your life to be a, a lush garden, but you had a dehydrated spirit that was dead. And then you saw Jesus. You saw Him for who He was. You didn't see Him for the way you had uh, imagined Him to be as a myth, mythic kind of character or a good moral man or a teacher or something like that. You began to see Him for who He really is. Your only hope. And as much as you tried to be religious, as much as you tried to be good, and as much as you tried to be in control, and as much as you tried to fix your life, you came up short, but Jesus didn't you began to understand that God in his love for you even when you were dead as a half-hearted kind of person even as you were living in hopelessness and despair that God because of his deep amazing love for you sent Jesus to give you life to make you alive and he did it by dying for you on a cross He did it by paying the penalty that your sin demanded. Can I just say, all of us here, not one of us worth God's love. None of us. This is not a place where respectable people get together and act respectable. And if you think it is, then you have mistaken what it means to be rescued by God's grace. This is a gathering of people broken, shattered by sin, but who have been made whole, not by anything worthy in us, but because Jesus died for our sin on a cross, he was raised again to give us life. And we saw that and we, 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 we understood that Jesus was our only hope. And so we cried out to Him in faith. We repented our sin. We abandoned ourselves in God's grip and trusted Jesus, His death on a cross, His resurrection from the dead. And He made our half-heart whole. And He poured out of our soul now rivers of living water where it once was dehydrated and dead. And now we live, we live a wholehearted life because Jesus got hold of us. And in that moment, God began to shape your heart. Now as we look at the Proverbs 31 woman, we see someone who exemplifies God shaping her heart. And as we look at the principles that that we see in her life, we begin to understand that God is shaping her heart and shapes our heart for giving. As we have been forgiven, God then shapes our hearts for giving. Really, the summation of the Proverbs 31 woman is found in verse 30. And this is the substance of who she is. And by the way, it should be the substance of who we are. Verse 30, charm, deceitful. Beauty, vanity. But the woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. As we look at the Proverbs 31 woman, we see someone Whose heart is being made whole by God's love, and whose heart is being shaped so that she lives her life for God's honor. And that's really a key point for us. See, Jesus has given us new life, and He is shaping our heart so that we give for God's honor. We give. For God's honor. Now, how do I get from live to give? We're supposed to live in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, by the way, two words in the Hebrew language, a picture of of great importance in both Old Testament and New Testament. To live in the fear of the Lord means that we live in reverence to holy God adjusting our will to match His. That's the fear of the Lord. To live in the fear of the Lord, get this, this is huge, to live in the fear of the Lord means that we live in reverence to a holy God by adjusting our heart, our will, to match His will. Can I suggest that many of us pretend reverence to God with our manner and our demeanor, but there is no fear, in the Lord, fear of the Lord in us because we aren't adjusting our will to match His. Our manner, our demeanor does not make us fear the Lord. It doesn't even demonstrate a heart that fears the Lord. What demonstrates a heart that's in the hands of God being shaped is when we adjust our heart to match His will. Simply saying, we start living our life so that we're doing what He wants, we start making our decisions based upon what God wants. Now, that's a tough journey, and none of us have perfectly arrived. All of us are on that journey, but as a follower of Jesus, make no mistake, He is busy shaping your heart, sharpening your heart, so that your desire is to honor God by adjusting what you want to what He wants. And God wants you to give money through the church to him you might say oh wait a second why why would you tell me that well because I'm supposed to tell you the truth I told you I'm not going to guilt you in any of this but I still have to tell you the truth You go all the way back, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 through 29, God sets up the tithe. The tithe. Anytime I say tithe, I want to say it like an old-time preacher that I used to go listen to. i got to tell you about the tithe. (laughs) The tithe was designed simply for us as God's people to celebrate and honor him to demonstrate our dependence on Him. God's will was for His people to give. It doesn't change just because Jesus died on a cross for our sin. Throughout the New Testament, through the stories that Jesus told and the practice of the first church from Acts to Revelation, we see the church, the people of God, giving. We don't get to opt out. This is God's will for your life. And so if we're going to follow in the pattern of this Proverbs 31 woman, if we're going to learn lessons from her and live in the fear of the Lord, that means that we are going to give for God's honor through the church. Matthew chapter 25, you might turn over there, keep your finger there. Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14 all the way to verse 30, Jesus is telling the story of a master who has three servants and he gives uh, money to these three servants and then he goes away. And they are now stewards of the master's money, much like you and I are stewards of the money that the Lord has given us. The money in your bank account, the money on your spreadsheet and in your portfolio and in your retirement or in your savings, that money is God's money that he has given to you. You are that steward in the story. The master gives three servants money and gives one more money than the second who has more money than the third. The master goes away and the stewards, the servants, then are entrusted to care for the master's money, to invest it for the master's honor. And the first two servants do a great job. So much so that the master says to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. But the third servant He doesn't do so well in fact he took the money and he buried it and didn't do anything with it at all did not use the money the master's money for the master's honor in fact he describes it like this he said i perceived you to be a hard man who reaped where he didn't even sow seed and i was afraid so i didn't do anything The master's judgment on that third servant who did nothing with the money that the master had given him was pretty harsh, and you can read about it in verses 29 and 30. But friends, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're one of those three servants. The master is God, and we're supposed to Give money for God's honor. When it comes to our checking account, to the resources that God has entrusted in our care, are we living in the fear of the Lord? The second lesson we learn from the Proverbs 31 woman is that we, when God shapes our heart, we become courageous for God's honor. And you slip back up to verse 10, uh, Proverbs 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman or a virtuous wife? She is rare and precious and a treasure. I want us to focus in on this idea of virtuous. See, when we see the term virtuous, many of us think immediately, uh, if you're from the South, of a Southern charm, you know, living a chaste and disciplined life. We think, we think in those terms. We think of uh, following proper protocol and, 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 and being uh, appropriate and, and, and having the right etiquette. You have virtue. Being a kind person and a gracious person, you have virtue. Can I tell you that the Hebrew word does not mean what we have interpreted virtue to mean? The Hebrew term for virtue, that adjective for virtuous, the Hebrew term means strong, courageous, and heroic. Does that change how you look at that? See, what what Solomon's doing here in Proverbs 31 is he is celebrating this strong, courageous, heroic woman who stands up in the face of her own fears in order to honor God with her life. Now, we know that God wants us to give. As followers of Jesus, He shaped our hearts to give. And we know that we who are followers of Christ must live in the fear of the Lord. And if we're going to live in the fear of the Lord, that means that we're going to adjust what we want to what He wants, which means we're going to give. But it can be scary to give, especially if you haven't done it before. It can be a frightening thing to up our game in giving, to even begin it for the first time. And it's going to be challenging for all of us at different times. Each one of us, we face the the fear factors of giving, especially if we're focusing on our bank account first rather than focusing on our heart first. If we focus on our bank account first, then we can't afford to give. And it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you focus on your bank account first, you begin to say, well, I can't afford to give. If you go to your accountant first to find out how much you should give to get the best tax break, that might be smart business, but that is not living in the fear of the Lord. See, living in the fear of the Lord is where we go to God first, and we say, it might cost me in my taxes, but that's not my money anyway, it belongs to the Lord. I'm just returning to him that portion that he's asked me to to give to return to him I'm investing in changed lives I I know it can be scary to begin it and some of you haven't begun yet but but you're being challenged to begin and you're looking you say I can't afford this friends I'm telling you as a follower of Christ you can't afford not to here we are we're we're, we're being challenged to, to up our game and that means that that you've got to be courageous, virtuous. To up your game and be courageous, you know what it really means? It means that you're going to trust God. A couple of weeks, we're going to talk about an expectant giver. And, uh, and that's really about God's going to take care of you. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20 says very simply, the person who trusts in the Lord, that person has joy. Today, your money is not yours to manipulate anything. Your money is not yours to to take hold of and to to hoard. Your money is not yours to, to, to manage or navigate for yourself. But rather, the money is God's. And He's calling you to release as much as you possibly can for His glory. And that, my friends... Can be scary. But God, God will be your strength. As you focus on giving in a way that matches the honor you desire to give God. As you focus on giving it and it makes your knees quake a little bit, makes makes your, your knees buckle and under the weight of the fear that you face. In that moment, cry out to the Lord and say, Hey, I'm going to trust you with this. So, as we adjust our life so that we do what God wants more than what we want, when we live in reverence to Holy God by adjusting our will to match His will, then we're going to give according to His will and for His honor. And it can be scary, but but God will give us the courage we need to do what He's called us to do. The last thing I'd say is is that, that when God shapes our heart, He also gives us the opportunity to plan to bless others. And that really is the bulk of Proverbs 31. The bulk of Proverbs 31 is how this woman planned to bless others. She planned to bless others. Let me just read the verses uh, beginning in verse 13. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She's like the merchant ships. By the way, on Mother's Day, do not call the mother a merchant ship, just a, that's free. She is like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field. She buys it from her profit. She plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. Now, you look at all that. Here's a woman who wakes up early and she plans her day, but she is not planning so that she might create a successful business. She's not planning so that she can get on Shark Tank and have them invest in her company. She is planning not so that she can be the next great designer of Jerusalem. She is planning... She is strategizing, she is working in a sacrificial way so that she can bless her household. So that she can bless not only her household, but so that she can bless those beyond the walls of her home, the poor and the needy. In fact, if if you look at verses 19 and 20, verse 19 says that she clenches her hand around the distaff and takes hold of the spindle. Then, verse 20, and she opens her hands to the poor. She works diligently. She plans strategically so that she can have resources and open her hand to bless others. Today, you and I, as followers of Jesus, we need to plan to bless others, to plan to bless others in a sacrificial, serving kind of way. Now, as we come to to the plan, um, I I presented it last week. At the end of your row, there is a card um, that has stewards on it. Everybody take one of those cards. So everybody at, at the end of the row, just pass them down. Everybody get one of these. The plan for my household is to go on a 21-day financial fast so that we cut out non-essential expenditures. Anything on my spreadsheet that, on our spreadsheet that is not essential, we're not going to spend. We're not going to spend money on Starbucks for the next 21 days. But let me just thank whoever gave me the Starbucks gift card this week. I appreciate that. <laughs> Y'all are champions in my book. I kid you not. Found it on the desk. Praise Jesus. Um, <laughs> but, but we're going to cut out all non-essential expenditures. Again, as I shared last week, we're not sure what really is included in essential versus non-essential. Um, uh, haircuts, eyebrows waxed, fingernails. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm brave enough to say those are non-essentials in my house, but if I'm giving up chocolate, new chocolate, remember I've already got a barrel full. So what we're doing as a family is we're cutting away non-essential expenditures so that we can free up more money to invest in changing lives through the ministry of this church. So on Monday, and by the way, last week I said we're going to start today, and Steve Harper, our media man, uh, minister of media, he, he was a true pastor to me, his pastor, and he said, that was a dumb move. We're going to start on Monday. <laughs> and so he started this uh, actually day one Monday, May the 11th. And so on Monday, if my girls, they wake up and they want to go to Chick-fil-A, but they don't go to Chick-fil-A, because we're on this 21-day financial fast. Uh, they cannot go to Chick-fil-A because we're on this 21-day financial fast. Instead of uh, spending that 6 or 8 or $10 that they would spend at Chick-fil-A, they're going to take that money and they're going to hold it back and we're going to put $10 from Chick-fil-A saved right there. So that when we get to the end of these 21 days, we're going to have a total number down here of the resources that we're going to uh, rejoice and bring in on the 31st. We're going to give all these extra monies on the 31st as a celebration of what God can do and how God will use our resources to bless others. This is the plan. so I want to encourage you You don't have to use this plan. And by the way, I'm not giving you any more rules than that. I'm going to trust that God is shaping your heart, will continue to shape your heart, and and He is going to guide you and your family and your home, and He is going to help you. He's going to give you the courage you need to give for His honor. This is just our plan. So, as we get back together every week, we're going to celebrate what God does as we invest in changing lives, helping those who are far from God find new life in Christ. When it's all said and done, this, this spectacular woman who lives a spectacular life in the fear of the Lord, it says in verse 26 she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you exceed them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works Praise her in the gates. Today, the challenge for us as we leave is to honor those, to honor those who have blessed us. In my house, my wife, our children rise up and they call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. The fruit of her hands, the fruit of her heart, praises the Lord God Almighty who is shaping her heart today to honor him and as she opens her mouth and as she speaks to me and to our children wisdom and the law of kindness pours out on us today we bless our mothers Today, we honor those who have blessed us. And that's really your assignment today. For us to bless those who have blessed us.